What is that? <laughs> what? Massive. What is that? Special flask. It's a chili, chili <laughs> That sounds like a sword when you pulled it out of your bag. <laughs> is it chilies? Yeah. Mm. Oh, right, okay. Got it for my birthday. <laughs> Right, let's start. Okay, welcome to the second episode of What You Saying, the official Living Rock Youth podcast. And hopefully, you've all listened to the first episode and you've been waiting on the edge of your seats for this one. If you haven't, then it might be helpful to go back and have a listen um, because we explain in a bit of detail what this is all about and what's going on. And if you did listen to the first one, you'll know who is joining me today. Um, so please welcome our special guest, Ben Morris. Ben, Hello, everyone. You all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. Good, thank you for joining us. So we've just finished our, well, we're about to finish our Momentum conference. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed it? It's been amazing. What's been the best bit? Best for me, David setting out his apostolic um, vision and grounding for us over the next, well, X number of months and years. That so was, exciting. That was good, wasn't it? Awesome. I'm so excited to be here and be involved with it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that was good. And we've got a special mention for the youth as well. Youth is going to explode. Yeah, that. Youth and kids work are going to explode. I believe that, that too. Good. So, could you um, start by just telling us a bit about you, who you are, what you do, where you're from, the basics? The basics. The basics, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, my name is Benjamin Ronald Morris. Ronald. Uh, Ronald. Both granddads called Ronald, so oh. inherited that as the middle name. <laughs> uh, I, I was born in Leicester originally. Okay. Um, grew up in Leicester for my whole life. Went to Loughborough University. Uh, to do civil engineering, um, hated it. Did you? The course really didn't like the course. Yeah, and I think that's one thing to note. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't enjoy. I enjoyed uni, but I didn't enjoy my course. What so did you not enjoy about the course? It was just really dry. Like, it didn't okay. give me any real world applications, and I just, I really wanted to get into the world of work. Yeah. Which I did, and I've been working for a Spanish steel company for the last five years now. Um, and my recent job with them is that I'm running a technology startup based in Barcelona so it's pretty crazy at the moment Um, I'm married to a wonderful lady called now Dr Nicole Morris Dr Nicole Morris she's just finished her doctorate in clinical psychology oh wow she's amazing Um, and we live in Ashby de la Zouche for now so yeah that's pretty much it I've grown up in a Christian household for my whole life um, still meant I had to believe it for myself yeah and I still meant I had to walk some of the paths myself definitely you cannot it's not a family ticket to yeah. faith family ticket to salvation um, but I'm so grateful for the for the head start they gave me and um, I'm grateful that the bible really respects this idea of blessing generations so mm. no yeah that's that's me I think cool. have I missed anything? Uh, I don't think so how did you just quickly because a lot of people wonder mm. how did you end up working for a Spanish company? yeah good question so they're in the UK their headquarters are in Cardiff okay um, so well actually it's a good question <laughs> It's a good story, actually. I got I got rejected from about 35, 40 jobs just straight after each other, like bang, bang, really? bang. Yeah, and I had no idea. All my friends had jobs. Was the this rest... after university, straight after uni? No, this was still during the, the like, before we finished. Oh, right. The rest okay. of the course had jobs. Everyone knew where they were going. Everyone was really, like, set on something. Yeah. And I had no idea what I wanted to do, apart from I knew I didn't want to be a civil engineer. <laughs> Um, so I think it was just God teaching me to trust him basically but I got turned down from everyone as the graduate schemes like I've yeah. got a, everything you can think of I got turned down from until this out of nowhere Spanish company from Cardiff contacted me and 
it all happened because I took the day off after my last exam. Mm. No one else had finished. They went out. They, they couldn't go out partying yet. Mm. I didn't want to celebrate on my own. So I went to the library and I applied for as many jobs as I could. Within 15 days, I'd started at Celsa. Wow. Um, when I arrived, I didn't have a boss, so I got a promotion on the first day. <laughs> and it's just been a story of favour ever since, of just hopefully trying to go where God's led me to go, and he's really blessed that. So That's a good story. That's pretty cool. Did you did you apply to them or did they contact you first? No, I applied to them through like a really nondescript like advert for a recruitment consultant. <laughs> it was like technical marketing assistant Cardiff and I was like, I can do Cardiff. Nicole's from Cardiff, like cause obviously we we're boyfriend and girlfriend then and it was just I was like, Okay, yeah, it seems sensible. Yeah. And then it happened so fast, like they called me immediately. Yeah. Within five days I was down in Cardiff and then within ten days I moved down with Tim and Kerry Briggs and I was staying with oh, them yeah. and I started my first, I bought a car. And I was, um, and I started work, and it's been a crazy ride for the last five years. Wow. Okay. Cool. I think you 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 may refer to some of that um, probably next bit maybe. So that's good for now. But what we what we want to do is ask you some icebreaker questions. Amazing. Okay. I have not pre warned you of any of these, so <laughs> this might be really really raw, but we'll see. We'll start easy, Great. very easy. I think I know the answer to this one. Tea or coffee? Oh, coffee, coffee, coffee. You're a big coffee fan. Big coffee how fan. Many, how many coffees do you have a day? So I have a new rule. I set myself oh. rules in life. I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but my current coffee limit is two. Two per day. Yeah. When Be- do you like to have them during your day? So I have, I think, I have a big thing about not having coffee straight away in the morning. I have to take my yeah, iron supplements because yeah. this is a thing I didn't know until I started researching it. <laughs> you need vitamin C to help you absorb iron. Right. Um, the problem is that if you drink caffeine, it kills the vitamin C, so then you struggle to absorb the iron. So I think I'm a bit anemic, so I know I need my iron. Yeah. So that's why I don't drink it around breakfast. So I have one maybe mid-morning, then one, I set a timer for the same reason, <laughs> half, an hour, half an hour after lunch, finish my lunch, I say, well, I'm not going to say it because it'll set the phones off, <laughs> hey, Apple Assistant, Yeah. <laughs> set a timer for 30 minutes. And then so I let my food digest and I get my iron in and then I have my coffee. Wow. <laughs> that is the most that is the most serious coffee routine I've ever heard. Yeah, and then some days I just have like eight oh, okay. <laughs> when I need to. But you've got your new rule now, so got my new those rule. days are gone. Yeah. Okay, next question. What would you say is your most used emoji? Uh the- <laughs> I think it's definitely the one that's like uh, tears outwards, crying, laughing. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, and also the one that's like uh, the scream, the painting. That's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one there. Really? Two, two I don't face. think I've ever used that one. It's really great for being like. What, what context do you use that in? Basically, probably me being over dramatic <laughs> about things. Okay, quite like, rarely then. Well, yeah, I'm a pretty <laughs> standard guy. Oh, right. Next question. I don't know what I'd say for this. Would you rather have ten fingers on each hand? Or three fingers on each hand? I think I'm going ten. I value speed too much, and I reckon you could really... Imagine your typing oh, speed if you had ten fingers unbelievable. per hand. Yeah, and you could probably operate two computers typing yeah. two keyboards. So I think it's That's definitely true. ten fingers on each You'd hand. You'd struggle to get gloves, though. But then again, you struggle to get gloves for three fingers, wouldn't you? you just get mittens, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, or you do those where you just, like... If you padded out the other fingers, you could wear a normal human glove. <laughs> right, next question. Would you rather always be 20 minutes late or always an hour and a half early? Oh, always an hour and a half early. Yeah. 100%. It stresses me out when 
the well, it's a, it's a point of contention for me and my wife. Oh. I always like to be super early, okay, and she likes to be almost bang on bang time. On time. Uh, so I always arrive at the airport early. I always arrive at meetings early. Um, I always arrive anywhere as early as I can, um, including half an hour early for the prayer meeting at church last week. <laughs> well, intentionally? Or uh, no, intentionally. I thought I was late. Um, so oh. I rushed to church and arrived and no one else was there. <laughs> Read my Bible before everyone else had forgot. <laughs> Definitely an hour and a half early. Okay, that's fine. Well, Nathan Favel always says, shout out to Nathan, he says, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. To be late completely unacceptable no new so, truer words were never spoken he's wise Nathan right next question would you rather live where it only ever snowed or where it never fell before below 40 degrees celsius snowed the I really? cannot deal with the heat it stresses me out considering I work in like a country that barely drops below 20 degrees being mm. hot is really it's really hard <laughs> But if you're cold, you can always sleep because you just put more layers on and you can always wear more layers and yeah. you can decide how hot to be. So it's 100% the cold. Really? Yeah. I think I'll go the other way on that. But I'm a 17 degrees. So if it's 17 <laughs> degrees, that's my temperature. 17 degrees, clear skies. <laughs> right. Next question. Okay, I like this one. If you could go for dinner with three people, hmm. past or present, Amazing. who would they be? Barack Obama. I think he's great. Yeah. I think he's like I think he's awesome. Um the I, well I want to say Jesus but I'm not going to include that. It's classic. It's, it's classic answer, isn't it? But it, I'd, yeah, I'd love to. And actually yeah, I'm going to do it cuz this mix will be insane. <laughs> Barack Obama, Jesus, Gary Vaynerchuk. Who's Gary Vaynerchuk? Gary he's he's a he's a businessman. He runs a digital marketing agency in the in the US in New York and he I really like a lot of his outlook on how he operates and how he does business. He's a lot about kindness okay. and he's a lot about executing and working really hard and trusting your staff. Uh, he's super intense, doesn't pull any punches, mm. swears a bit too much. Not like a big swearer, but um, nothing that I'm going to say like believe everything he says. Yeah. But just I love this idea that kindness wins and emotional intelligence wins. And I, he, um, yeah, I really like that. What a mix. So what yeah, a mix at dinner. So yeah, King of King and Lord of Lords, Barack Obama, first black president of the US and. <laughs> coolest man probably coolest man ever yeah. and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk those would be my three okay so you've got your you've all agreed to go to dinner yep your whatsapp chat is set up you're pinging messages send it all up and let's say Barack Obama says Ben we're all, we're all stacked off our feet can you just reserve dinner somewhere and you choose where we go yeah so the pressure's on you to choose a restaurant for mm. Barack Obama Jesus and Gary something where do you take them? This for me, this is simple. Although I'm going to make one change to the restaurant because they've ruined themselves. There's this, there's an amazing restaurant in Barcelona called Kibuku. It's a sushi restaurant. Okay. And it's uh, seriously authentic, amazing. And they've got this awesome little private room that looks like a little piece of Japan. <laughs> the problem is that it's like opposite the toilets. All right. So, but what I'm going to say in this scenario is we go into Kibuku. Yeah. We go into the private room but there's no toilets there and it's just okay. us the beautiful private room that's like a little Spain's little part of Japan really and that's nice. where we're going to sit and, really and have nice. our dinner together really nice I think Jesus could probably make that work as well yeah like getting rid of the toilets yeah I think he could probably do that Jesus do you mind just uh, just you know, do your thing over there hmm. okay enough messing about there <laughs> what we're going to do is oh, you've listened to the first intro episode haven't you yeah um so the premise of this is we want to 
get people like yourself on here and we want to just ask them to to share something share share some thoughts on a topic or um, it can be anything really that you think would encourage us and you think would um, maybe challenge us and would be good for us as a youth group to hear so I know you've been thinking about it what is the what's the sort of topic or what what do you want to to share about and, and what's made you start thinking about all of this yeah good question so well awesome first episode by the way i think that needs to be said james you do an amazing job <laughs> Thank you. really good job um the obviously in the midst of building this company that we're building in barcelona right now i spend a lot of time thinking and well it's not worrying but really concerning myself with how the staff are how they're feeling the, yeah. cu- the culture of the place that we're building in in ogan that's the company okay um and I, I find myself spending almost more time thinking about that than I do about strategy and how much people are getting paid and, and loads of other different things. And then I started to think of it in a slightly wider sense. I was listening to Chris Wallaton on a, a podcast and he started to describe culture as like a river. He's from Bethel, Chris. He is from yeah. Bethel, yeah. Um, and he's uh, he started to describe culture as a river and how when people go to Bethel, they're like, oh, I'm everything's going so well and it's going so fast Mm. because they're moving with the river and then they get out and they're like oh I'm swimming at the same speed but the same stuff just isn't happening Mm. and for me I believe that's so true of culture in in the in the real world in the secular world and it's so true of what we do in in church and what we do in living rock um but it's also so true of how how you guys are in school and in college and Mm. when you go to university like I think the thing to always notice there is always a a culture and atmosphere around you and it's always moving and for me, the really key thing is, is, is two main things. It's, it's, I really want you to be able to recognize it, mm. recognize it where it's taking you, because often it can be quite a subtle shift. Society itself can be subtly shifting. And secondly, it's, it's, you've got to swim towards Jesus. <laughs> when, what, what do you mean when you say, uh, so the first point, noticing the changes, subtle mm. changes in, in society and in culture, what, what do you mean by that? Have you got examples or... Or what could that look like, particularly for 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 the youth and those guys as a youth group? What might we, what might those subtle changes yeah. be that we we would have to to pick up on and and be aware of? I think it's stuff um, that you'll see every day in school, like whether it's the respect for the teachers or certain things are are, are accepted, whether it's drugs or alcohol or things like that. Mm. From my viewpoint, I think it's a very different state of schools. It was when I went to school, even just ten years ago. I think it's very different now for, yeah, for you guys at school in terms of what's out there, what's visible. I think what the same with everything, what you're absorbing in TV, it's becoming far more sexualized and violent. Mm. And the, the problem is exposure causes complacency to and become acceptance. So you see things at a hugely visceral level and maybe the first time it's shocking mm. I remember when Eminem's first album came out and there was literally uproar mother's group saying there shouldn't be an explicit sticker in the supermarkets really? it was it was like it was like a, a countrywide phenomenon and then now there's no like the, the little E on iTunes is barely noticeable yeah. and people don't really care so for me it's understanding that there is this constant flow whether you like it or not um, and it's it's for you to be able to recognise it. Is I think is a real key. Mm. And this, I think the second thing you said was swimming towards Jesus. Yeah. What do you mean by that? In t- like practically in terms of uh, culture and in, in the context of that. Yeah. How would you explain that or describe that? I think that if you read about Jesus's life specifically and some people before him and after him in the Bible, the 
the time they spent with God, God is so countercultural because of who he is. He's mm. he's everything that's good. He's everything that's timeless. He's all powerful. He's everywhere. And that by his nature versus a, a fallen world that we find ourselves in, they cannot be compatible. They cannot be in the same slow, subtle shifts away from from what God is and what God does mm. and what God's rules he's written into the universe. Uh, so for me, the only way to be aligned with God's purpose is to spend time knowing what his purpose is. Mm. And I think God is so amazing that the more time you spend with him, the more time you know what he thinks mm. and the more time he know you know what he wants for you. So what that means is it allows you to realign yourself and recognize what's happening around you. Mm. I think Moses was a super... Well, he had a really big, important time of this where he went up he went up the mountain for 40 days yeah. and God basically told him everything about the law. Like the Jewish law that we'd say today, the, like it was formed over 40 days between a conversation between Moses and God mm. on the top of a mountain with the rest of Israel at the bottom of the mountain. Um, and he just, he spent an, this incredible, like nation changing well humanitarian timeline changing time with god yeah so that when he came back down he could literally alter the course of a country's history which is nuts crazy that is crazy ridiculous <laughs> so for me that's the first thing when you spend time with god it changes you and you walk away with things that allows you to recognize around you what's wrong but also just be it's less about that and it's more about focusing on him okay so I don't know if you will have any examples of this, and this is a bit of a curveball for you, but obviously you mentioned Ogun. Have you ever had any experiences where um, you you faced a, a situation where you you know that you need to to almost behave counterculturally in the sense that you need to do you need to stand on biblical and kingdom principles that yep. the rest of your company or the rest of your team may not when you're facing a particular decision or, mm. or a particular situation is that ever yeah there's been some uh, there's been some definite times some really specific ones some ones that still burn slightly in me the um i think my well i chose to give up drinking alcohol at one point and for the people in one of the reasons for the people in my company right but that for for some of the especially the older men in my company they literally cannot understand how i function without drinking in my life really? like drinking alcohol and for a lot of them it's a crutch and for a lot of them it's uh something that, and whether they recognize it or not mm. so that's for me that's a, a big stake that i set in the ground i say you know what i'm not actually i'm not going to drink alcohol mm. um and then for me the, the the other part i've had situation one really specific one where it's come down to there'd been some mistakes in some numbers that we'd reported and and it the basically it came down to do we cover it up or do we not cover it up right. for the ceo and <laughs> in a, a really intense moment I had to I could choose there was literally a choice set in front of me and I had all of the power to be able to say I'm not going to do that mm. or I'm going to do that potentially with rewards to my career or not and I think the thing that I've learned constantly whether it's been a situation like that or whether it's been a situation less subtle mm. or things like that I've never lost out by aligning myself to God's word even if in the short term it might feel like it Mm. or have upset people ultimately God's plan is bigger than anyone else in that company and it's bigger than anyone else anyway mm. so even if it my time ends in that company because of something that I'm aligning myself to God with 
I know that there's only good for me in the future. And I think for all of you that have got aspirations of becoming managers or doing great things, you don't get there by following what the world says you should do to get there. You get there by following what God has for you. Mm. And if you try and do it like that, uh, I think you'll either get fail or get lost along the way trying to achieve something. You might even do it, but believe me, treasure is not a sweet when it's not God sent mm. or God created. I, that's int- I can't imagine the uh, the sort of pressure of that moment because I suppose you have to make a snap decision, don't you? Sort of, yeah. do I do I totally compromise what I believe to be true and honourable mm-hmm. and do what what may be best for for me personally and the rest of the company, or do I do I stick by what I know to be true and yeah. impressive that you? Well, I, no, I think I think often for me, I think it's something I'd like to say to us all. I think with there's times where, and I've not got all of the big moments right. I think I need to be super honest about that. I'm not like I would I would pray super hard that none of you make some of the mistakes I did. But there, I I actually think the slightly more dangerous thing is where you where it's the is it this subtle shift that you allow things to creep in. These big moments, I think, are they're big. They're often very obvious. They mm. often hurt either way. And they happen, and I think we we tend to be better at making the decision. For me, it's these slow shifts where you allow things into your life that's actually the much harder mm. thing that we need to concern our hearts with killing. Mm. So, like, for for everyone, obviously all the youth are at college and they'll be doing their GCSEs yeah. and A-levels and whatever, and can you think back when you were at uh, college or, or can you think now of anything that... Um, what would be those sort of subtle changes that come up against you that at the time might seem really insignificant mm-hmm. um, but actually over, I like like what you say over a few weeks and over a few months those subtle changes and those mm-hmm. subtle moments when you um, you decide to maybe go with the culture mm-hmm. can actually lead up to something a lot bigger and when you're faced with a big decision or a big moment where you have to, to choose what you want to do mm-hmm. it could be easier to um, to make a decision that goes with the culture so what what could be those small subtle things that mm-hmm. that you might come up against particularly in a, in a college because you know same with those at work but for the guys at youth you spend most of your yeah. your day in college and that's where you're going to end up making most of your decisions and most of your time and, and actually that's where you've got the biggest sphere of influence your mm-hmm. friends and even your teachers and things like that so what could be some of the things that um, that they that mm-hmm. would be those subtle changes that you, yeah. you might face I think it's it's interesting. You talk about that. You're so right. There is this. There is a certain culture that flows, and I think for me, it's culture and rivers. It's more like atmospheres in places that you surround yourself with, which I think sometimes why we love church so much because the yeah. culture, the atmosphere, in is so good. And you're exactly right. With it. It's the same that happens in college, and for me, it's the it's those little things that are like what you talk about in your group of mates and the videos you watch and share and laugh about, and mm. how you talk to people in like and just a break like even really simply like in whatsapp groups we talked we joked about it earlier but like you can some of you will know because you'll be these types of people that you have an incredible influence on what happens within your friendship group like there's some people that have really pivotal roles in their friendship groups and they can direct like jokes towards different things so we'll we'll have all seen it where jokes will flick onto a thing and there'll be like five or six of you and you'll be like going for one of your friends Mm. And I think for me, it's it's when you build that into your life, you start to realize that you're like, you find somewhere to undermine. The problem is that the natural reaction, if it comes towards you, 
is to deflect to someone else and start to <laughs> to start to take their legs from them. I think that's one. It's a really important point how you treat people. Yeah, that's good. You don't want to look back on your time in school and be like, oh, I, I was a bit of a bully. Mm. I think that's a lot of things. I think there's times I've reflected where I thought, no, I could have done that a lot better. Mm. Um, I think it's the, the situations you put yourself in and the things you allow yourself to be normalised. Like we said earlier, like whether it's videos or it's pictures, whether it's stuff that your friends share and even if you're sitting there as a quiet bystander it's the thing and I, I think there is this fear of what's going to happen like will, will I lose my friends will yeah. I lose my things and I, more often than not people are very accepting of your yeah. views <laughs> like we're not you're not asking them to do something so crazy you're actually probably saying actually I'm not sure I find that funny or mm. I'm not sure I want to the problem is the longer you let it go yeah. You start these things do start to become funny for you, and they do start to become interesting for you, and they fuel fires in other parts of your life, which is that slow shift we're talking about. Yeah. So, it's 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 not always easy, and I certainly have not got it right. It takes many years to become your own person, especially when you push into God and getting your own identity. Mm. Um, but it's so important because you can be on this slow shifting journey without even realizing it. Yeah, I, I listened to that. I listened to that podcast. Obviously. So before Ben came on, he said, listen to the first five minutes of this podcast by Chris Valentine because it's sort of um, part of do what you want to share about. So I listened to the first five minutes and I had to, I did have to listen to the rest of it because it's really good. But what he says in the first five minutes and he's using the, the river or the stream analogy and the the whole point is that it's so much easier to, to go with the flow of the river and with the, with the water and actually to be countercultural is like trying to swim against the river. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I just thinking back to when I was in in college, I think what I didn't quite realise until now, I never realised at the time, which is a massive shame looking back, is that people people because people knew about my faith and my beliefs, they actually paid a lot of attention to to how I did act about certain things and how I did respond to certain things. And I never quite realised that at the time because you you just didn't think about it at the time. But actually it is so much more difficult to be countercultural. But if we are, I mean, a lot of us, and probably all of us, people will be watching us to see what we do. And when we make those, we keep using the word, but countercultural decisions, where we where we choose to say, actually, uh, I don't believe that is right, and mm. and I I know that the kingdom principles that I believe are, are, are true, and I'm going to go with that. People people notice that, and mm. even without intending to, we can sow seeds into people's exactly. lives just by by being ourselves and. It seems difficult to be to be countercultural and to go against mm. the flow of the water, but the impact that it can have can be can be phenomenal. And it was only later that I realised people watching me because having friends with my uh, having conversations with my friends, sorry, um, even just recently and a couple of years ago, they bring back things that happened in college and yeah. they say, "Do you remember when this happened?" And, and you respond like that, and I had no idea they were watching, but yeah. but they do. So that's that's just to encourage everybody yeah. really that you know what you're sharing is, is really significant actually and making those um, what might seem at the time insignificant and slightly subtle changes but the insignificant uh, decision to, to stand by what you believe can can have a huge impact on people so I think that's so huge the, I was just um, I was just reminded of something then that that was super important and I've forgotten <laughs> um, no what were you talking about uh, I was talking. <laughs> I was we talking about this um, going against the stream is more difficult. It's diff- more mm-hmm. difficult to be countercultural and people yes. pick you up on when you're. The, you are, I think the thing different. the thing we forget so so often is the 
the Bible talks about it in a beautiful way. There's like the fragrance of Jesus that's with us. And I, even if you think that you're not standing up and saying these things and you're not going back and saying, actually, you know what? I don't want to look at that or don't find that funny. Even if you're not doing that, because you have Jesus in you, it's literally like immissable. Mm. Like I would go and read Isaiah 61. And if you look at how God describes us, there is no way you walk down a street and you're not recognized by people, whether they realize it or not. Mm. And I think the thing that that really came to home to roost for me was when I was at university and I think I've probably told the youth story before, but one of our really good friends died in university. It was a terrible accident. Um, but the funeral, I could not believe the amount of people who knew I was a Christian. Like, right. I didn't think, I, I'd, I've never really done a good job of like meeting people and being like, hey, yeah, Jesus is my saviour. <laughs> um, but people just know. I don't know how they know. Mm. Like, maybe it was because we used to go to Sunday still while... We used to go to Sunday. We used to go to church on a Sunday, even while we are at uni. Me and Nicole would often travel back to Leicester to go to church. Oh, right. That, that's obviously a bit weird uh, <laughs> when you're at university 20 miles away from home. But yeah. the... Um, it's people just recognise and people just know. And th- for me, this is a part of the flow. I think the other thing we don't realise is how much influence we have because of that. You have mm. people look to us, whether we realise it or not. You'll learn as you get older and you'll know now that people give you things and they tell you things. You're like, why is this happening? But the Holy Spirit just unlocks doors for you. Yeah. And people will tell you stuff that you have no idea about and you're like, oh, okay, great. Mm. But just on, I think that was obviously, we talked a lot about recognising the culture. Yeah. But the second point we wanted to talk about is obviously swimming towards Jesus. I think that's a super important point. Mm. And I think the the big thing is is you have to spend time with Jesus. If you want to know where Jesus is and which way you're flowing in the wrong way, you have to commit to spending time with him. Mm. And for me personally, I know what that means. It means that I must do it as soon as I wake up. Right. Because I... I know that how I am and how I am in my day that my days can be super intense that if I don't do it then mm. I'll, I'll probably miss the chance and it has to be my routine has to be to set my North Star onto Jesus first thing in the morning mm. I try and do it before I even like look at my phone and do different things like that I try and just turn my alarm off go straight to the word it's not I, I haven't managed to maintain that every single day mm. um, or anything like that it's not like something that's super religious like 6.30am every morning mm. However, I know that in myself, even how I physically feel, if I've not spent time with the Lord, try and speak in tongues, eaten properly, mm. like slept, well, like it's for me, it's like it's like breathing and eating and drinking. Like yeah. you have to do these things to function how we are. The Bible describes us as, as wanting to be as as wise as serpents mm. in. Um, but as innocent as doves in this world. And it's it's just one of those things that's like, wow, Lord, you really want us to have the wisdom to operate, but just be so pure in it. Mm. And for me, it doesn't work unless you're aligning yourself to Jesus. Jesus knew it. Jesus did it. If you look at Jesus, he would... I'm not sure sometimes Jesus slept very much. <laughs> you read through his stories in the pattern of his day, and he would prioritize spending time with the Lord, mm. especially at points of crisis and at points of his fame exploding and I think it's the same with Moses God warned him about a crisis he went down the mountain and dealt with the bull Mm. Jesus when he fed the 5,000 he knew he had to prioritise praying so he didn't let any of the flesh get in the way and he sent them across the water then he followed them by walking on it Mm. he did this just before he was about to get crucified he prioritised time in the garden to say Lord and be really honest with God in these situations you all have had these times James where you're like actually I don't even, I'm not sure I even want to be in line with you, God, but I'm going to take that to you. Mm. But God, God knows your heart before you bring it to him anyway. And Jesus said this, he said, 
Father, if there's any other way, please take this mm. away from me. And God actually, God says, no, you got to do it. And he says, okay, lines himself up with God and he performs the act that literally gathers our salvation. Mm. And for me, that's why with these huge heroes of faith, like Jesus and Moses, and you'll find many of the situations where people have prioritized God, God's presence and God's thoughts, it allows them to come back down the mountain and mm. change what's at the bottom. Mm. And that's exactly how we've got to be. We've got to be outside of the culture with God and then we come down and have the huge influence that we that we can mm. uh, yeah and uh, it probably comes back to using that example of where you had that decision at work if I can imagine that if you if you didn't take out the time um, to spend time with God one on one and read the word and pray and stuff then uh, it could have been potentially easier for you to make the, the wrong decision at that time but because you because you consistently spent time and because you knew God's word because you you were in God's word and you're reading it constantly and consistently. I can imagine maybe it was easier to make that decision because yeah. you you knew exactly what was the right thing to do, mm. and because that's because you were in in constant communication with God yeah. and you were actively taking time out to do mm. that. So, and just for you all, whilst you're on like listening to this, wherever you maybe you're listening to it on the way to school, like. Mm. There are ways and means of getting scripture into you that do not require you to necessarily sit down with like a paper Bible. Like yeah. often if I, I often have to get really early flight in the morning, which I have to get up at 3.30 and I have to drive. So in that, I'm not normally in a state to read my Bible. I just get in the car, but there's, there's something like the daily audio Bible mm. and there's ways of getting scripture into you that don't necessarily require you to sit down. I would say that for me, that's the best. Like mm. I the this is probably up for grabs in terms of if it's true or not, but sitting down with a paper Bible, for me, it's the it's the it's the top gold level. But there are other ways of getting God's word into you and spending time with Him, and whether that's in your headphones on the way to school. But I think setting aside the time and blocking everything else out is so important. Yeah, and if you do, just practically, if any of you want uh, a good audio Bible, speak to Nathan because he's got a really good one. He um he's got a good app, and his sole purpose from having that app is because the audio bible is really good so if any of you ask him i'm sure he'll tell you um is there anything else that you wanted to to share with us or anything else that you was really on your heart considering this to to get across um to the youth yeah i think it's just to go back to a point i made earlier if you i think there's jesus talks to one of his disciples at one point where he says that they've got feelings of being great and i think often we the ambition is shown in such like a bad light mm. and fulfilling potential and david speaks very well on fulfilling potential he's very clearly got he's seen what it means to not waste opportunities for potential mm. but if all of you have dreams which you will have and these amazing ideas of what you want your life to become the best way of you going down that line or finding out what god really has for you which believe me will be far more exciting than these dreams that you have now if they're not the same mm. prioritizing your life with god is is the way to go about it mm. like everything else is so true about seek first the kingdom yeah like right now i have to it's really annoying sometimes but i have to travel to barcelona it's going to sound like a first world problem but <laughs> i have to spend a long time on traveling to the airport flying away from my wife mm. um but right now god said that that's what i'm supposed to be doing he said that i'm supposed to be in the working in the world i'm not supposed to be working in church or anything like that mm. it's been very clear so i know that i'm just going to use my hands in how he wants me to use it Mm. and ultimately I know that that's going to take me on a journey to my dreams and God's dreams yeah. that we're going to build this incredible 
thing together that we're going to further his kingdom mm. so if you've got dreams and an aspect that I'm not taking away working hard. You have to work incredibly hard with these things. Mm. Don't become obsessive. That's a bad element of that. <laughs> but if you've got dreams that you believe God has given to you, you have to really prioritize his thoughts and feelings and standards mm. and pace and all of these other things. You must prioritize them from him, not take your standards from the world. Yeah. Are super important mm. and I, I actually think that's that's the only way that we're successful in in god's eyes anyway mm. really good really good was there anything else <laughs> that was that was that was great seriously that was really good um um i i i think that i if i could say to anything that you don't i was always waiting for this imaginary point at which i'd kick in and being super evangelistic to my friends and i was waiting for this imaginary point where i'd be an adult mm. And I was waiting for this imaginary point where I'd be ready for God to use me. And I, I wasted a lot of years. I realized, especially after I moved to Cardiff, I realized I'd wasted many years of my life. Um, not wasted in probably the natural sense, but certainly in the spiritual, um, where I could have really been reaching those that, I, that God had put around me. Mm. And you don't, like I was saying, you sow seed without even realizing it, but there's sowing seed without realizing it and there's being really intentional in speaking to those who are around you. Yeah. And for me, I'd just like to encourage you and you'll have heard it said to you so many times. I've heard it said to me so many times. It's like, don't despise, what Paul says to Timothy, don't despise your age. Mm. The, you're all so gifted, whether you, whether you believe that or not, it's true. Like I've got scriptures to back me up. Like God has given us all gifts. The Holy Spirit has shifted gifts around the body and that means you're involved as well. There's no junior Holy Spirit. That's a that's a good <laughs> cliche, isn't it? But the point is, I was waiting for a point that didn't exist. Like, biblical age of 30, throw that out the window. Yeah, probably big things happen. I don't know, I've not made it there yet. But for me, you can. Be, if you're baptising in water and you're baptising the Holy Spirit, you can be incredibly effective to the forwarding of God's kingdom. Yeah. Like, you can be world-changing with that. That's all that the people at the start of Acts were. They didn't even have Bibles. Like, let's put that into perspective. <laughs> they had some Jewish texts which they now knew were wrong and they needed reinterpreting and they had the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's it. That's all, that's all they had. And they changed the world. We're speaking about today. These men, actually, I, I made a note in my Bible. When it says, it says, these men turn the world upside down. Mm. So the world focused on the men. The men pointed straight back to Jesus. I think that's so important. Mm. Like, you'll get elevated to places. Following this, following this path with Jesus means you'll find yourself in places that whether it's your age or your experience or something it doesn't feel right for you to be there but most probably the reason you're there is because god's put you there mm. and i think that's why it's so important that you always then try and reflect back to god because the second it becomes about you you start to build things on shaky ground and i think the final thing for me to know and i say it every time i speak to anyone <laughs> gratitude is like for me is just the keystone of how we've got to be mm. if you're grateful for everything for the small things for the big things when times are hard, you can find stuff to be grateful for. It focuses you on God continually because if you're having a bad day but you've got air in your lungs, mm. you're grateful to be alive. It focuses your bad situation but you reassess it in terms of God's mm. vision for it. And it's just, it's so important to stay grateful. And for me, there's a momentum about gratitude as well yeah. where I think you need to get used to saying thank you to God for stuff. And it also says it brings you into his presence. So <laughs> these things are pretty huge. Um, but gratitude for me is it's one of the like keystones of things that I just I, I have to live with because I think 
the other end it turns you bitter and it turns you focused in on yourself and it tries to make you do stuff in your own strength and you're not going to get anywhere you might harm yourself not physically necessarily but you'll really harm yourself in your journey with god Mm. so for me to release these wells i think it's got gratitude is huge in terms of releasing blessing for Mm. yourself i i read it i think i told you about it a couple weeks ago but i read a book called the the happiness advantage which is not a it's not a christian book it's it's about um it's about working and about how to be positive and actually how uh, there was a there was quite a significant bit in it about gratitude and um like i say it's not biblical but ju- it's just interesting they, the amount of tests that have been done to prove that everyday gratitude will literally can transform the way that you go through each day and the way that you view things and just your whole your whole mindset can be completely shifted with with gratitude so mm. That's a that's a really good point, and if you if you're happy with that, we'll just one more. Just well, you can take this out and we'll go. If you're yeah, happy yeah. with that, we'll go again. But the you'll be amazed. At, there'll be some of you that will get to a point in your life where you'll like reading business books mm. and stuff about business, and some of you will be like, "That's super boring." <laughs> but there are people out there who have hooked onto things that are biblical principles. So like sowing and reaping, like gratitude, like these things. And they've hooked onto it, and God is so faithful to the rules He built into the universe that He blesses whoever's using them. Mm. And there are people literally making money on selling people's uh, plans, what to do with their money. So you look at the wealth books; they say give give a portion of it yeah. away. They say type basically give your tithes and give your offerings. It, yeah. They say stay grateful because it realigns you. There's notepads that physically have like five bullet points to say five things I'm grateful for every day. <laughs> like people are searching for things they don't quite realize. God blesses them anyway. Mm. And for me, that's amazing. No, we'll leave that in. That was good. <laughs> okay, so um, thank you very much no. for being on the the first proper episode of What You're Saying. Um, if, you, if any of you have any questions for Ben, mm. then grab him. He'll be around at different points. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to answer them. And also, can you thank Ben for, for doing this? Because I think you're about to catch a flight very soon. So you've managed to squeeze us in. So we appreciate that. Um, Right before we finish, the one thing we want you to ask you to do is, on our next episode, mm. we have William Lyon and Holly Eagle coming to share what with us. What a pair. What a pair, exactly. So, um, can you leave us with a question for William and Holly to answer? It could be anything. can yeah. be about anything. Yeah. Just any question for them, mm. and they'll answer it on the next episode. Okay, Jesus, Jesus said a parable about a uh, demon that... A demon gets sent out from... A house basically like a person and it gets sent off into the wilderness yeah. and the person's body is described as the house and it says it gets swept clean and tidied but not filled with anything it's still empty and the the the, the demon wanders around the dry place it's i'll i'll get james to put the uh, exact exact <laughs> exact scriptural link in the uh, in the show notes um but the i want william and holly to talk to us about how through a life filled with worship we stop ourselves from being dry and we stop ourselves from being empty okay pose that to them and see what they say uh thank you very much ben for being on the podcast it has been very good and a good way to kick it off you are the podcast king so we had to get you on here for the first episode you are the how many podcasts do you listen to a week regularly a lot well podcasts and audiobooks are my travel souvenirs so yeah brilliant we will be back next time with William and Holly hopefully 
answering that question and sharing with us a lot more and encouraging us. Thank you, Ben. No, thank you.